You're listening to the River City Church Podcast. Our desire is that you know Jesus, experience freedom, find community, and discover purpose. For more information, check us out on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co. Here's the message. Today, we're in part three of Ready for a Change. Ready for a Change. If you've got your uh, notebooks and Bibles, we're going to be in second Kings chapter 7, 2 Kings chapter 7, uh, I should say if you got your notebooks, Bibles, or Bible apps, there we go, uh, 2 Kings chapter 7, uh, we're going to look at a story that uh, is one of, you know, I, I probably say this all the time, it's a favorite story of mine, but I, I like this story because of how God steps into what looks like a hopeless situation. Uh, just to set the scene, this is... Uh, kind of in the middle of Israel's two kingdoms period. They're split between the kingdom of Judah and the kingdom of Israel. Uh, This happened after Solomon's reign. And uh, the kingdom of Israel, more than Judah, uh, was continually unfaithful to God. Judah had its moments as well. But the tribe, or or the the kingdom of Israel, had several low points, and it usually had everything to do with who was leading Israel, uh, the priesthood and the king of Israel. And so the the spiritual condition of the leadership of the nation affected the spiritual condition of the people. And so we saw that, especially with Ahab and Jezebel. King Ahab is ruling, and they had moved the capital to a place away from Jerusalem. Their their capital was a place called Samaria. And uh, as a result of the, the spiritual decline, they were in, the, the city had become under siege. It was now surrounded by the Syrians, by an enemy, and they had come to lay siege to the city, and in ancient warfare, uh, you know, the, the sieges would not take, you know, you, I'm a movie buff, I like to watch especially war movies, and sometimes you get the idea from watching something like a Braveheart movie where they siege the city of York, and it's like it takes place over a couple minutes, and they knock down the city gates, and they climb the walls, and all of a sudden the, the, the city's taken, and it's, uh, but often in Throughout history, that would be a months-long process where they would surround and ultimately intend to starve out those that were inside, cutting them off from any source of supply. And that's where we find uh, the city of Samaria right here in 2 Kings chapter 7. They're surrounded by the enemy. They're under siege. And because of being under siege and they can't get in fresh supplies, the prices of what they have have become inflated. And I don't have to explain inflation to anybody anymore. (laughs) And so Elisha, the prophet of Israel, steps in with the word of the Lord for the city of Samaria. They're starving, they're hungry, uh, they're worried, they're under siege, and, and, and likely going to be killed at the hands of the Syrians. Here's what it says. Elisha says, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord. We need more than ever before to not just listen to every other voice that's out there, even our own fears and, and anxieties and worries, but we need to hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a say of fine flour will be sold for a shekel, and two says of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Now, we don't use those measurements, so that means not much to a lot of us here, but basically what he's saying is what's scarce is about to be abundant. He says what's overly, uh, what's overpriced is about to be available. And, and he's saying that because he's, he's letting them know God's about to lift the siege. God's about to provide a way. God's about to turn the tide. God's about to change the situation. Uh, it would be kind of like me getting up and saying, you know, tomorrow gas is going to be 250. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> 
but that's kind of where it's at, just so you understand. That's, that's the situation they're in, and, and that's the word that gets declared. In fact, it seems so, uh, so different, so contrary to their circumstance that the, the one who's an advisor to the king, it says, the one on whom the king leaned, that man responds to the word of the Lord. Here's what he says, how could that be? If the windows of heaven open, that wouldn't be possible. There's no way that could happen. And so Elisha says, well, you're going to see it happen, but you're not going to participate in it. In other words, because of his cynicism, hard-heartedness, and even unwillingness to believe what God had said, uh, this advisor would see it but not experience it. So I, you know, we're, we're, I'm teaching my kids about, you know, how cereal is now $5 a box. So we're transitioning from uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch to Squares O'Cinnamon. <laughs> From, from uh, Cheerios to Tastios. And I don't know how it's possible to make a Cheerio taste less tasteful, have less flavor, but it is possible. And so we're, we're, we're working on that one. But uh, <laughs> I, my favorite is uh, Fruit Loops. You don't have Fruit Loops, you have uh, Fruit Circles. So we're like, hey, those taste great. Uh, anyway, here's where they're at. They're ready for a change. And they're waiting for the battle to be over, and they don't know how God's going to do it, but as Elijah says this word, declares this promise, you know, I, I, I touched on this, especially in the last series we did about, you know, we, we try to figure out the how, you know, even, even at the beginning of the series, we looked at the man who was late every day at the, at the pool of Bethesda, and Jesus tells him, pick up his mat and walk. They're waiting for a miracle to happen, but it's the how that often gets us uh, tripped up. And, and here's what we start with. We always start with, what did God say? What's the word of the Lord. We've been given God's word. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given so much to to give us confidence. Our faith comes from and is built on something unshakable. See, when we try to put our trust in something that is shakable, something that's based on human ability, human wisdom, human strength, uh, human faithfulness even, uh, oftentimes we find ourselves disappointed. That's why our faith has to be built not on a person, not on a, a not on people, but on Jesus, upon the kingdom of God, upon God's written word, upon God's true and lasting foundation. We talked a lot about God's word last week. If you missed either of those, you can catch the podcast. But here's what is at stake. The question is, what is true? Is what Elisha said true or is what this advisor says true? It's impossible. There's no way things can change. There's always that voice at work in us that says things won't be different. Your marriage can't change. Your, your health can't get better. Your finances will all be the same. Your business will fail. You know, whatever that voice is. And we hear that voice, and we have a choice to determine what we're going to believe. What is true? And so here's where we're at. Romans 10, 17 tells us that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we need to know what God's word says, and we need to rely upon it. We need to believe it. Not just hear it, not just read it. I can read God's word over and over, get it memorized, get good information, but unless I believe it, it does nothing for me. Last week we talked about the four different conditions of the heart that all receive the word, but each has different responses because of the condition of the heart that receives it. Let's go to verse three. So here's, here's what God's gonna do. I, I love to see how God can work even in places and with people that you wouldn't expect. 
And so in verse three, right after this has happened, right after Elisha said the outcome is gonna be determined by God, verse three, now there were four leprous men at the entrance of the gate. And they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? There's four leprous men and at the very gate where Elisha promises that Tomorrow at this time, everything's going to change. This exchange, the market's going to be better. These are going to be different. You know, he, as he says that, here's what he tells them. Here's where, here's where they're at at the gate. There's four leprous men. And the reason they're at the gate is they're not allowed in the city. Leprosy was a physical uh, infirmity that caused great deterioration to the body. And oftentimes people who were affected by leprosy would eventually lose parts of their body, would lose fingers, toes, limbs. Uh, And so it was very physically destructive, but it was also incredibly isolating. And so it was deteriorating, but also isolating. And, and, you know, a lot of us have issues, not leprosy, thankfully, but we have other issues that are like spiritual leprosy. Things like sin and fear and shame all produce deteriorating effects on our life. They leave us in a place where we're longing for change but don't know how to get it. We want things to be different, but we don't know how to get there. And things like shame and fear can keep us trapped there. Sin deteriorates at a level that oftentimes we don't anticipate. Even religion itself can leave us stuck. And this is where they're at. They've sat at this gate, and they're rejected from the city. They can't go inside. People are afraid that what they have, they'll bring in, and so they don't allow them inside the city. But they're trapped there because around the city is the Syrian army. Around the city is an enemy army that's trying to starve out the whole city. And these four men sit there, and they realize something. They come to an understanding that if things are going to change, we've got to change where we're at. Why sit we here until we die? You know, that statement, I think, is important for everybody to, at some place in their life, come to the realization that there's some places in my life that I'm not growing, I'm not moving forward, I'm not, my faith isn't being built, I'm not, you know, growing in my life, I'm not progressing in what God has called me to do, and this is so important that we recognize this, because there's some things that we do that don't work. Now, that doesn't mean we haven't continued to do them over and over and over. Have you ever done something because you saw that's how your family did it, that's how your loved ones always did it, that's how, uh, and, and so you, you settle into a place in your life that you continue to say the same things, carry out the same actions, but it's not working, and you have to come to the realization, see what had to change for their situation around them to change. Lots of people can complain about their circumstance. But they came to a realization on the inside, why are we sitting here? <laughs> why, am I, why am I sitting in this place when we're going to starve anyway? And this is why I think this is important for all of us, because sometimes we stay sitting in a place of fear, anxiety, compromise, whatever it is, whatever's causing you to sit still, whatever's causing you to not grow and move forward in your faith, We have to come to the realization that sometimes we're in a a place in our life that we have to say, listen, what I'm doing isn't working. And I think most people want change. They just don't know how to get there. And even when we know how to get there, we're not willing to take the steps needed to do that. The subtitle, if you're taking notes, is Faith 
forward, faith forward. Whatever is affecting you, change starts. Point number one is this, change starts with a step. Change starts with a step. And this is important because I think sometimes we get overwhelmed by the idea of changing our life. Like that just seems so big. <laughs> you know, my whole life, how do I change my life? How do I change my marriage? How do I, how do I change my situation? How do I change things in my life where I'm at at work? And how do I change? But it always starts with a step. And there's some steps that are healthy and some that aren't. So as I talk about change, I don't want anybody to misunderstand what I'm talking about. I don't want anybody to think, you know what? I am thinking about changing my spouse. <laughs> the step that's going to change your life is a step towards God. The change that you need, that I need in every area of our lives, is we have to take steps towards God and his will for our lives. His will is always better for us. His will is always good for us. And we've got to recognize this. Change starts with a step. I don't know what it is about kind of a religious culture, but oftentimes we settle into a place where we become comfortable with just enough. We've learned, we've grown, but then somewhere along the way we settle and we sit at the gate. Churches I've seen sometimes become heaven's waiting room. <laughs> that's not what we're to be. And that's why they've come to this realization, why are we sitting here till we die? Why are we, why are we static? Why are we inactive in what we, we need to do something if we're going to make it? And it's easy to look at the world and get overwhelmed and feel like we've got to be paralyzed in our faith. But it takes a step. Change starts with a step. Change happens. Uh, I, I've heard this expression, Christian counselor, and I've heard other people use this, but I, I think I, I like this, the way it paints the picture of change. Uh, change only happens when the pain of staying the same becomes unbearable. <laughs> change is uncomfortable Change often requires us to change in the process, but when we realize that staying the same, staying in this place, staying, staying in a, pl a static place of, 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 of our faith not growing or uh, whatever it is, whatever is keeping you sitting still, there, there's this idea that, you know, it's easy to be comfortable. In fact, we've made a God out of comfort in our culture. And... It, I just heard, you know, a thing yesterday about, and, and listen, this is not like a, a criticism, I, I, but I, there's a growing trend in our culture because of what we've walked through with the virus and all these things that increasingly fewer and fewer people want to go to work. <laughs> fewer and fewer people want to go to a place. And what ends up happening is we regress to a place of standing still. And no matter where our faith is, we can't ever settle to that place, church. We can't ever get to the place where we're in heaven's waiting room. We need more coffee. The Christian life is not a spectator sport. It's not something where I watch as other people step into God's will for their life. But see, I've got to start where these guys start. They start with this statement, 
Why are we sitting here until we die? You know, I, as I work with married couples, there's often things that have, have carried for years that have gone undealt with. And it, it's a healthy thing to go, why are we sitting in a place of dysfunction when we can work through this? When we can address what we need to address. In, in, in our personal character, there's sometimes little things we think, I can manage this issue. I can manage this behavior. I can manage this uh, addiction. I can manage this problem. But what we don't realize is, is whatever's small always gets worse if we don't deal with it. And so it's important that we don't stay seated when we're to take a step. Take a step. Matthew chapter 20 this is another parable of Jesus. I gave you one last week, but Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And now, when he had agreed with the laborers for their pay, their wage, a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And he went about the third hour, and he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give to you. So they went, and again, he went about the sixth, and then the ninth hour, and he did likewise. So every, every three hours, he's going out, and he's sending out more laborers to his vineyard. And about the eleventh hour, which for us would be five o'clock in the afternoon, about the eleventh hour, he went out, and he found others standing idle. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day? And they said, listen to this, because no one hired us. There, there's, he tells this parable, and the reason he's telling this parable is what comes next, where he describes as he gives wages out at the end of the day to those that served at the 11th hour and those that served at the first hour. He gives them the same wage, and those that served all day got upset because those that showed up at the very end got the same thing. And, and, and he points to that, to eternal realities, to recognize that no matter when you and I stepped into the kingdom, listen, the, the 11th hour church gets the same thing the first hour church gets. So no matter where we are on God's time clock, we've got the same thing. You've got the same word, the same Holy Spirit. You've got access to the same thing. And that's such an important thing for us to recognize. You and I have not less than, we have everything we need. But, it, but the reason they're standing idle all day is they say, nobody's asked us, nobody's told us, nobody's hired us. And, and this is so important because I think so many people live their life just existing and never recognizing God has a purpose for my life. The reason I'm seated at the gate, the reason I'm seated at dysfunction, the reason I'm in the same place that I've always been is because I don't know there's more to life. And that's what we're here to let people know, is that Jesus came, died on a cross to take our sin, our shame, to pay the price for anything that's held us back and kept us trapped. It made a way for us to go to heaven one day, but also to have a purpose right here in the world to live for something eternal, something that matters, something that actually changes lives. And so he calls us to his field, every one of us. It's time to put our faith to work. And putting our faith to work looks like taking a step. Let's go back to the four lepers. Here's what it says in verse five. They rose at twilight and to go to a camp of the Syrians. And when they had come to the outskirts of the Syrian camp, to their surprise... No one's there. So, so they, they, 
They say, why are we sitting here? You know, if we stay by the city, we're going to die. If we go to the Syrians, they might kill us, but at least we tried. You know, I don't know. I got to like some people that say, at least I don't know what the answer is, but I'm going to try something. (laughs) I don't have it all figured out, but I'm going to take a step. And as they take a step towards the Syrians, they get closer and closer, and they realize the army's gone. The siege is effectively over. An entire city is on the inside of the wall, starving and dying. But outside, the enemy's already fled. And they come to the city camp. Watch this. They come to the camp, and to their surprise, no one is there. Here's why. Verse 6. For the Lord had caused the army of the Syrians to hear the noise of chariots and the noise of horses and the noise of a great army. And so they said to one another, the king of Israel is hired against us, the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us. Oh no, it's not an army, it's just four lepers. (laughs) It's not the Hittites and the Egyptians, it's four lepers. I don't know, you know, if they're crawling, hobbling, walking, I don't know how they're getting there, but however they're taking their step, God is taking their steps and magnifying it. God's taking their little bit of faith. Oh, it wasn't great faith. It wasn't like, we're going to step out and God's giving us victory. No, it was like, I don't know what to do. I'm just going to go that direction. (laughs) But I know what we're not going to do. We're not going to sit still. We're not going to stay at the gate. And so they take a step, and as they get closer, the enemy hears Because God causes them to hear a great noise of chariots, and they flee for their lives. Therefore they arose and fled at twilight and left the camp intact, their tents, their horses, their donkeys, and they fled for their lives. And then when these lepers came to the outskirts of the camp, they went into one tent and ate and drank and carried from it the silver and gold and clothing. They went and hid them, and then they came back and entered another tent and carried some from there also, and they hid it. Man, they hit the jackpot. The enemy has left all their stuff. Point number two is this. When you step out, God steps in. When you step out, God steps in. (laughs) Can I just be honest? People never see breakthrough that don't take a step. People never see real and lasting change who never take a step. I think most of the church wants to see miracles, but they don't want to take a step. And faith is what I believe, but it's also me responding to what I believe. It's me taking a step. If I really believe that nothing's impossible for God, I'm going to pray like it. If I really believe that we serve a God who moves mountains, I'm going to pray like it. I'm going to believe like it. I'm going to respond. One of our values here, I've been touching on them throughout the series. Last week we talked about the Bible's our foundation. But faith is also our lifestyle. So faith is how this church started, and it's how we're going to live our lives. It's how we're going to move forward. It's how we're going to step into the things God's called us to. Not because of we don't evaluate things just naturally, but we're going to say, what is God saying to do? And we're going to go that direction. And what I love about this is when we step out, God steps in. When you take a step and you know that God is leading you to do something and you don't fully have it figured out, but you just take that step. You're stepping out of your comfort zone. 
You're stepping out of your understanding even. You're stepping out of what you think God won't do into what you think God, nothing's impossible. (laughs) When we take a step out, God steps in. We're waiting for God to move, and I think in most cases, he's waiting for us to take a step. (laughs) He's waiting for us to take a step. Your breakthrough is in your step, church. Your miracle is in your step. Your freedom, even, is in your step. And how God's going to do it, I, I, I don't know how. God used four lepers to fulfill what Elisha had just prophesied at the beginning of the story. Like, if I'm thinking, how's God going to do it? I'm not picking these four guys. I'm thinking, that, you know, maybe Israel's going to rally and it's going to be like, you know, the Two Towers movie and they like bust through the gates and go charging the orcs. I'm seeing who my nerds are besides me. Come on. Like, you think it's going to be that kind of a thing? Like, they're going to go out and crash and rally and fight and they're going to bust through the line? No, it's four lepers. <laughs> I wonder if we're missing what God wants to do because we're looking in the wrong place. We're we're missing who God could use in our life because we've written off some people. God used four lepers to break a siege, church. (laughs) What if God used people you never expected? Let's make it even more personal. What if God used you and me? What if God used our step to change our family? See, see, there's lots of steps people have taken, but they're usually steps away from God and his purpose. Sin is a step away from God. Unbelief is a step away from God. The Bible actually says this, you know, to to be careful, take heed. Even among Christians, he says, take heed that you uh, don't have an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So so as you're taking a step, take a step towards God, not from God. I always tell people, if if you fall or if you fail, don't run from God. Don't think God's done with me. It's over. No, run to God. Run to the throne of grace to find mercy and help in time of need. So there's been some times in my life, I don't know what else to do. I don't know what the next step is. I'm just going to point my compass towards Jesus. I'm going to take a step towards Jesus. I'm going I'm to make my direction, my course set towards the only one that can help me, the only one that can lift me. Faith is a step towards God. Verse 9. Verse 9, the lepers are celebrating. Man, they've just hit the lottery. They're loading up, you know, everything they can. They're like, finally, this is our, this is it. And then one of them, one of them comes to realization. It's actually a cool story who the Jewish tradition thinks this man was. It was a man who was once captured by greed, a man named Gehazi, who had become a leper because he had tried to take and profit off of the things of God, but, but here's, here's where this leper, whether or not that's the case, one of these lepers speaks up and he says, hey guys, um, this isn't good what we're doing. Yeah, we, we, we're, we're benefiting of the spoils, but there's a whole city that doesn't know the siege is over. Today, listen to this, today is a day of good news. He realizes that what they're benefiting from is not just for them. 
See, change is for you, but it isn't just about you. It's not just for you, it's for generations you may never see. It's not just about you, it's for those that live next to you. It's, it's for those you work with. Change is not just about you, it's about every life you will touch. People don't think their life impacts others, but it's not true. I, I, I'm walking through a very devastating situation with a close friend who, his life ended too early. Because he believed a lie. His life didn't matter. And, and I wonder how many people think that, that my life doesn't touch somebody else. My life doesn't impact somebody else. But you see the devastation that the step away from God can do. But you also see the, the, the blessing that comes when a decision is made that I'm not going to stay sitting still in fear, in addiction, in brokenness, in sin, in compromise, in, in, in anxiety, whatever it is that's kept us. We say, I'm not going to stay here. I'm going to take a step towards God. What can God do with your step? Today is a day of good news, they say. Isaiah 40, verses 1 and 2. Comfort, yes, comfort my people, says your God. Speak comfort, Jerusalem, cry out that her warfare is ended. Isn't it sad that they still didn't know the war was over? They were under siege, but they didn't know the siege was lifted. They didn't know the enemy had fled. They're living like prisoners when the victory was already theirs. Do you know Jesus defeated what's defeating you right now. He did it 2,000 years ago on a cross. He took our sin, and Jesus paid the price for sin so that we could be forgiven. But you know what also, it also says? He delivers us from the dominion, the authority of sin over our lives. He, he, he sets us free from the bondage of fear. And whatever the enemy is that's captured you, that's surrounded you, Jesus has already defeated it. Church, if we would just believe that, not just those who are outside, if the church would just believe that, and you'd recognize that the enemy you feel overwhelmed by is already a defeated foe. I, I can't tell you how many times over the years I've seen people afraid to step out because it, they think, well, if I step out, then, you know, I'm going to have spiritual warfare. I, I believe in that spiritual warfare stuff. We've dealt with it this morning. <laughs> it's real, but it's never what intimidates me from doing what, in fact, it's a marker. It's a, it's a sign to say, I'm going the right direction. but I know that I've already got victory because of who defeated the enemy. He paid the price. One last passage, Luke chapter 4. Jason, if you and the team want to get ready. Luke chapter 4 is Jesus comes out of the wilderness after he's thumped on the devil with the word of God in the desert. Satan comes to tempt him three different times and three different ways, and Jesus overcomes each of them with the same answer, the word, because the battle is still over the truth, what's true. That's why we've got to know God's word, because if we believe the lie, we allow the, 
we stay in the city as if we're still under siege. As if that thing is still holding us. Be careful what you give permission to in your life. Be careful what you give the place of most importance, what you give the right to occupy your attention, your time, your thoughts, your mind, and even your heart. And these guys say it's a day of good news. We've got to tell them the battle's over. After Jesus beat the enemy of the wilderness, he comes out, it says, in the power of the Spirit. And then he comes to a town that he's spent his adolescence and into his adulthood, a town called Nazareth, a town that's overly familiar with Jesus, but not in a way that's helping them. In a way that religion often does, it becomes familiar with Jesus, but not changed by Jesus. Jesus steps into the town of Nazareth on the Sabbath, and he comes into the synagogue, and as his tradition was, he would read from a passage of scripture, and this day they hand him a scroll, and it happens to be Isaiah. And so he opens it up, and he finds the place written in it, these words, Isaiah 61. And he says in verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news, the gospel to the poor. That's what gospel means. It's good news. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty, freedom to those who have been captive, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, he gave it back to the attendant and sat down, verse 20. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. They began to marvel at what he had said and then he really blows their minds with this next verse, verse 21. He began to say to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Why? Because the chain breaker was in the room. Because the healer, the one who open blind eyes was there. Jesus was in the room. And everything was different. See, the good news of Jesus is that the enemy is defeated. The door is open. And we can step into freedom. We can step into salvation when we receive Jesus. We can step into joy. We can step into peace. That's what faith does. It takes a step. So it's time for us to not sit still in whatever has kept us bound, but it's time for us to take a step. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Prayer team, if you come down. We trust this message encourages you in faith and in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about River City Church, find us on social or visit us at rivercitychurch.co.